It's the Ambiguously Blind Podcast with your host, a guy that's great up hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting our little podcast experience. And of course, you can go to ambiguouslyblind.com to learn more about the podcast and other things that we're that we're doing here. But for now, I wanted to bring back a former guest, Rob Sherrard. We spoke a few episodes ago about technology, and there were a lot of things that we didn't get to in any great detail. So I wanted to have him back and dive deeper into electric vehicles and something that's really interesting to me in autonomous driving and what Tesla is doing and about Elon Musk, the ventures that he's involved in and uh, shooting things up into space, and to visit about a show that Rob suggested that I watch called Ted Lasso. So Rob, hey, it's great to have you back on the podcast. I'm excited to be back in studio, virtually. Virtually back in studio, that's right. But just about everybody's virtual in studio these days. So that's pretty much par for the course, at least in my Mm -hmm. world. We talked a few episodes ago about your uh, journey from uh, Milan to Minsk, if you're a Seinfeld fan. Um, but if you're not, then from <laughs> from Dallas to the Pacific Northwest. And that's kind of where right. we left off. You were up in the Washington area working with Microsoft mm-hmm. a couple times. And I think pretty much where we left off, you were about to be headed back to Dallas. Yeah, that about right. that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, during that time, there, you know, were a few, a couple of few startups, you know, interlaced kind of, uh, you know, in between, you know, as well during that time. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of them kept getting acquired by Microsoft. So just kind of, a, yeah, it's you know, hard some, to avoid up somewhere. There. Yeah. yeah. It was somewhat circular. Yeah. But there were a few things that we didn't get to. We kind of ran out of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to use this episode to try to get to those. And if we don't have enough time for that, we'll, we'll just do it again, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I, I had a great time last time, you know, I was, uh, you know, on, on the podcast. And one thing that obviously we, we've had numerous conversations, you know, over the years in person and, and uh, whatnot. And I think, you know, one thing that sort of dawned on me that certainly is applicable to you is that given that we are virtual, right? So we're um, using, you know, audio only and, and no video at this point. But it really started to dawn on me just in terms of the the idea of of nonverbal communication and how much of communication is nonverbal right so you know obviously you have the the i guess for a lack of a better term the the audio the portion of of communication but how much of communication is nonverbal and 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 when i think of nonverbal i'm thinking certainly a body language and gestures, right? So as you're sitting, you know, next to someone, near someone or online with video, right? So that's uh, certainly, those are, are, are visual cues that, that you're picking up on as a part of that nonverbal communication. So I guess kind of long story short is, is how that certainly has to have had an impact on, on you. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. and I, I can't peg a percentage and I, you know, I had mentioned, you know, in pre-call that, that I spent some time researching this and, and it's actually quite hard to put a number or a percentage or an absolute on, on, on that. But I, I would love, or I'm very curious as to what that means for you and, and how that is. It, it certainly could be a pretty pretty deep topic. Nonverbal communication is a fact of life and a way the world world moves. And in addition to mm-hmm. visual and non-visual or verbal or nonverbal communication, but sure. for somebody that has a, any sort of impairment mm-hmm. there, there becomes an issue with, with, you know, communicating oftentimes, uh, especially in the hearing and the, and the vision field for impairments. So yeah, nonverbal communication can be tricky somebody in my position you mentioned mm-hmm. body language and even i mean body language sure like shrugging your shoulders or or kind right. of looking sad versus looking happy and right. those types of things most of that i miss totally. yeah and i and and i think one thing that i found interesting is as i was looking deeper into that is that 
you know, there, there's, there's gestures, right? So, so here I am, even though I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you over, you know, FaceTime audio, I'm here you know, on the couch and using gestures, right? And, and it comes yeah. to find out through some extensive, you know, research over the years that gestures also provide context for tonality that, uh, I guess you could say in a way assists in the, the recipient of that communication, that verbal communication, better understanding tonality of that conversation. So here I am thinking I'm using my hands. And if you or I, you know, we, if we were together at Starbucks or in your office, uh, just, just even thinking through that, right. So you mentioned it's, it's a very deep topic, right. So it seems like that yet could be a very nuanced very interesting topic of just is perhaps is there loss of tonality even through gestures that you're not able to to see there there certainly are and you mentioned gestures as i'm talking to you and as i was just talking a minute ago i was actually moving my hands too but (laughs) but you 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 can't see me either right missed it right yeah and so that's why the audio medium particularly for me and i would imagine the people other people with with visual impairments is really a great way to consume lots of things and mm-hmm. even in um, movies and, and and television shows now that are that are newly produced there are ways to to get those cues those movements or the the scene of whatever's happening can now be is now being dubbed in as basically accessibility for for those types of things so somebody with impairment so what understands. does that look like what what is what, I don't really know mean? I haven't really okay. I, I've experimented a little bit with it where mm. I, I can see the the function on the say an Apple TV and there's a I can't remember gotcha. what it's called but there's a there's a setting where you just do that and so mm. what happens is I mean the good news and bad news is if you're watching it with somebody that doesn't need it it's mm. probably extremely annoying for them gotcha. because in addition okay. to the whatever the the scene is or the people that are talking it's also mm-hmm. saying they're walking through a park with a dog walking next to them and a runner jogs by or, you know, something. It, so it's it, really providing context or situational context in a way. Yeah. It's I just guess. all the, okay. all the stuff that you would miss sure. if you didn't see the screen kind of thing. So, gotcha. and it would gotcha. also give gestures and, and maybe tone that people, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, something similar to tonality you said too was, you know, it's similar in text messaging or just, just text where right. you can't really, you know, like there, there's been many times where I've sent somebody a message, a text message. Sure. And I thought, sure. you know what? They probably won't read my, I'm, I'm laughing when I'm writing this. They're probably like WTF. They might be upset. Right. They might get right. really angry. So right. there's actually several times where I've deleted something I was going to write to, and then like reworded it or something because I want to yeah. make sure that, that the recipient understands that, you know, and then you put the smile emoji or something at the end and maybe they get it or mm-hmm. something, but you kind of, oh, well. you kind of have to do those right. or that's lost. And, you know, right, right. non-visual or non-verbal communication. Another great example for somebody like me mm-hmm. is that even just recognition, I could, I could walk in, you mentioned the Starbucks, I could walk into Starbucks and you could sure. be sitting two tables over from me or standing two people in front of me in line. Right. Or even really next to me, or very close to me, and I I wouldn't recognize you. And yeah, I think it's if not for like the abundance of my handsomeness that you know I would it, certainly it's be certainly easily missed. Yeah, you certainly exude um, hands, handsomeness, and maybe the just the smell right. of the handsomeness would probably <laughs> knock everybody out in line anyway. But that's right, that's right. I don't is handsomeness a word? I'm not sure, but or is that Dracar you're wearing from the '90s? I, I don't. Uh, Old Spice. Old Spice. <laughs> Even better, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's, you know, again, it, it's, um, I found it incredibly interesting as I started to, uh, in an effort to try and understand, you know, it's certainly something that I would take for granted and, and then really understanding the component of how much of what what's the miss on the non on nonverbal part of communicating right sure. so yeah. i, I just think, found that immensely I think fascinating would. yeah i think yeah. anybody would take that for granted sure 
So yeah. is there any other things that you found that you thought would be, you need to ask me about? I, cause I'm sure I could talk a lot about this, but <laughs> I don't know what. No, I, I mean, I, it, I, I'm sure something's going to pop up. I, you know, I found that there were varying studies that had been published and, and it's been long studied. Um, and I haven't, I had been focusing time on older publications and I haven't really gotten, uh, you know, chronologically current, but, you know, perhaps, you know, on a subsequent podcast, um, you know, I'd be interested to get your sort of opinion, you know, on, on, on these publications, yeah. you know, at, at some point in time. I think something else that kind of comes to mind too, when you talk about nonverbal communication mm-hmm. and that, and, and it's, it's the audio medium and it's radio in particular. I, I love radio. Sure. I listen to radio a lot and the, the podcast mm-hmm. fits fits right into that genre there too. But something else that I, I also like sports and I sure. really like to listen to sports on radio. And I think I did before vision loss mm-hmm. also, but mm-hmm. even, even with the change in my vision, it becomes so much more important. And a case in point, first thing that comes to mind is baseball. And okay. if, uh, if you listen to, um, you know, my team here locally is the Texas Rangers and the voice of the Texas Rangers, Eric Nadell, he's really great. He's tremendous, I would say. But he's he's like lots of other commentators that they they go almost overboard on the description of things. Like they'll talk about a player, or you know, a lot of times the pitcher is on the screen on the TV, and they'll talk about what his face is doing, what he's touching, he's touching his hat, he's rubbing the ball, he's mm-hmm. he's pulling up his leg, pant leg, or he's, he's, <laughs> he's clearing his cleats off. or And then they'll yeah. talk about the way the wind is blowing, and mm-hmm. they'll talk about the lettering on the jersey, really to very minute details that really paint the visual picture for what's happening. Right. And it seems like baseball would be very advantageous for that given right i mean the pace of game yeah, there's, it's and, a talking sport and they just have a right. lot of things to talk about so that's exactly why, yeah, yeah I, that's I just, interesting i just love listening to uh, eric nadell as he hmm. walks through the the game with you so that interesting. It, it's i mean i watch him on television too but if i had my choice i guess if i had my choice i'd probably be doing both um mm-hmm. i'd have the radio on but the tv on if i wanted to see a replay of something that happens but really mm-hmm. the the commentator in just about every case does a very thorough job of of explaining exactly what's going on and, and baseball is a great example of that okay yeah and i think there was something else that we didn't get to last time that i i can't believe we we said before we talked we were going to talk about ted lasso right the great ted yeah. lasso how did yeah, we miss the, that the, yeah, that, that was a bit surprising. I, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, one of our earlier uh, pre-calls. So, um, you know, if your audience doesn't know, um, you know, you, you uh, host, you know, a few different, you know, uh, pre-calls prior, you know, to having a guest on. And I know that, you know, one of the sort of uh, topics was we wanted to cover um, pop culture. And I forget exactly how it came up, but I had mentioned, you know, Ted Lasso, and uh how i uh was was you thought i you thought i would like with, it yeah yeah i absolutely thought that that you would love the show and i i guess for me the the kind of the fun and the irony there was that um i think it you know during that call you had committed to seeing or watching maybe was it two or three episodes yeah and just just and, to kind of just to kind of let everybody know where we are this is uh season 1 that's is, right is where we are here so you had seen the whole thing, yes. Quickly, I'd, I'd imagine, right? Uh, yeah, I, Did you binge I, uh, it? yeah, pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, if I recall, they were on a weekly uh, release cycle as well. Oh, were they? So not, okay, yeah, I, I was, that's good. I like that because I fairly current. I think depending on the show, I I I would agree. Yeah, I like I don't like watching at all because then you got to wait you know, six or eight or 10 months, however long until the next one comes out. And then, <laughs> right. I mean, well, you, I mean, you ultimately, I mean, you pay the price, right? I mean, one way or the other. Right. So, you know, but, exactly. but on demand is certainly a good option, but, but then I, I guess if you could just pace yourself, just control yourself, then you could watch it. I think with Ted, I would have like, uh, benched, uh, <laughs> 
within one or two well, days. Well, that, that's what we did. I told you, you were like, hey, you got to watch the show. This is great. I think <laughs> right. it's funny. I was right. like, okay, yeah, I, I would like to. I've heard other people say it, and it, it, sounds, it sounds really interesting. And we were going to talk like five days later maybe. And, right. and I said, okay, I will commit to, I'll have at least two, two episodes in. Yeah, right, right. I, and and I, I was like, eh, you might, yeah, okay. I'm not sure I believed you, but yeah. And I guess the two episode thing was right because we watched uh, two episodes the first night and then mm. and then three and then three and then three or whatever the first mm. season total was. And we were finished with the first season in two or three days, I, yeah. maybe four days max. Right. It's great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Ted Lasso is, he is really an endearing character himself. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I found, you know, in times of, you know, uh, it's pandemic, right? I guess kind of generically is very warm and and, and, and inspiring and, and sort of caring, right? And so I think, you know, having that character at that time was, you know, was was was, was certainly interesting. And I don't want to ruin anything for somebody that hasn't seen it yet. So I won't, we won't get into any of the specifics, I guess, but I mean, sure. he's just such a lovable character. He's, he's really put right. in a situation that he doesn't know is not good. Right. And he's just like happy go lucky guy, you know? And right. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's, it's great. I, I don't know. I keep saying it's great. That's not really much description after you say it four times, but. Yeah, and I think uh, a piece of advice is, you know, while it's heavily, I guess, surrounding, uh, you know, as we would say, you know, soccer, it's by no means do you need or is it a requirement or prerequisite of, of having any knowledge of, of, of soccer. Um, oh, no. It's not, it's, it's not, not required. None whatsoever. I mean, there is soccer in it, of course, but right, you don't really need to know anything about soccer. Agreed. To understand the, and it, is it considered a comedy? Um, it's certainly yeah, I, it's certainly funny. I think I think he won. I, a, I would an award, yes, right? And I think it was in the comedy did. category. Yeah, I would say there's certainly tinges of uh, some dark comedy in there. There are, and and I would and I would so. say and I would say there's a fair amount of drama too. I mean, it's not. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. it's a dramedy or something, but I mean it. Dramedy, it's definitely lighthearted yeah. in general, though. I mean, it there are some dark things, but I yes. I never got to the end of the episode. And I was like, wow, that was right. you know, like I got to the end of a couple episodes of House of Cards. I was like, or Breaking Bad, maybe. I haven't like, seen. Whoa. Okay, I haven't seen one episode of Breaking Bad. I hate to admit that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's. Uh... That's that's surprising. Yeah. Jeez. That, and that's we, been off. That that's been over for ten years, probably now, right? Yeah, probably. Wow. Yeah. We uh, we'll have to. Uh, but I am aware of, of the show, and I know that there's some some weird things in there too. Did you see any of House of Cards? Um, you know, I um, I don't think I made it through the first season. The first episode was kind of not jarring. sure why. Yeah. Well, it's it's not that great. I, I probably watch. I don't know how many seasons there are, but I watched yeah, probably sure the first two or three, and there mm. was enough times in there where stuff happened. That I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm out of here. This is too much for me. But you will not find mm. that with Ted Lasso at all. And I'm excited for season two. What do you think is going to yes. happen? Mm. You know, I I don't. Uh, I'm not entirely certain. I um. I've intentionally not gone online in an effort to uncover plot. So I yeah, think, I'm the same way. I'm I'm not. Yeah. Um, I can wait. We've got at this point, we've got uh, about four months, I think, or five months until until it's released again. But, and I think yeah. there's two or three, or I'm sorry, two seasons that it's at least going to be back for two seasons. So that's right. Yeah, they've committed through uh, season three at this point. Yeah. That is correct. Well, I would highly recommend it. Uh, ditto. I would agree. If you, you also have to be able to handle the the British accent. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. I do too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and the tea. And Ted doesn't like tea. Right. And I thought that was funny yeah. too. You know, like I think the first day he gets there, he goes into his uh, <laughs> boss's <laughs> office and she offers him tea, and he's like basically right. spits it out. 
Like that's right, terrible. That's right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually drinking tea right now. Hey, well, do you have any trumpets with you? Not trumpets, uh, tea, tea and crumpets. Crump, sorry. Back yeah. up. <laughs> I, do I don't any... have trumpets or crumpets. You don't, uh, no, you don't have any crumpets I, with I, you? I do not. No. Well, maybe next time. <laughs> next time. Yes. And then of course there was Tesla. That was one of the things that we were going to talk about, but didn't get to. And this, this could be a, a long conversation too. You are into Tesla. Yeah, I, I would say uh, certainly a fan of Tesla, but also probably even more so a, a fan of of Elon Musk. But but yeah, certainly a fan of uh, of Tesla, Elon, SpaceX, Starlink. Yeah, could spend a lot of time here running through that for sure. <laughs> so, do you own a Tesla? I do not own a Tesla, sadly. I'm working on that, but but sadly, I do not own a Tesla. I've come okay. close, but I do not. Okay, I'm kind of surprised by that, actually. Yeah, um, I'm I'm surprised too, un- unfortunately. Um, but but I'm working to uh, yeah to rectify that. Yeah. <laughs> and you haven't been on a SpaceX mission yet, have you? No, I have not. Uh, but I've watched almost all of them at this point. Okay. Um, unrelated to SpaceX, but related to space exploration. Um, a couple of years ago, it was probably, I would guesstimate in, in and around the 2018 timeframe. So Blue Origin is a competitor loosely, um, uh, competitive to SpaceX. So Blue Origin is yeah. the Bezos, uh, brainchild yeah. of, of Bezos, yeah. right? Um, so they have a launch facility, test launch facility, uh, and uh, just north of Van Horn, Texas. So call it 45 minutes to an hour north of Van Horn, um, which, you know, Van Horn is already pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I went out there for a launch day uh and it was super fascinating sadly i have not gone i came close to going to a spacex launch travel wise couldn't coordinate it but but yeah i was amazed uh (laughs) with the blue origin launch it was it was incredible and actually i had never heard (laughs) i'd always heard about sonic booms um and we actually got two on that day and it, it's it's insanity but it, it was it was amazing what were they launching amazing. that day do you know yeah they uh were, were launched their uh, test uh, rocket test vehicle um and at the time uh the goal the mission they had uh, a few space experiments i don't recall off the top of my head what those experiments were um but uh, at the time the goal was to reach an apogee, uh, effectively an altitude of 350,000 feet, maybe like 380,000, 350,000 feet, uh, which puts you beyond kind of the well-defined or understood line of, of, of outer space. Uh, and they were able to achieve that. Um, and it's very similar to, um, let's say, like a Falcon 9, albeit much smaller. But the idea is that it's a reusable vehicle um so it uh you know launched and and landed you know within you know close proximity of of where it uh, took off but uh did it land while yeah, you were there yeah yeah so we're, we're talking um maybe 20 minutes 30 minutes uh all you know up and up and down and um and how far we, did it we, go uh it went um I think on that day it was roughly three hundred and eighty thousand feet uh, up, mm-hmm. so so technically uh, in space. Yeah. And um, the the two sonic booms occurred on reentry. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> scared me <laughs> oh. when it when it happened. It was so I I uh, we were only about three miles from the landing site. And it was unbelievably loud. So it was crazy. It was awesome, though. I bet, yeah. 
and uh, you, you get a similar experience. I've heard on a Falcon 9 or Falcon Heavy, you could experience up to three sonic booms, and they're very close succession from from it's like boom 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 it, it's it's nuts hmm. yeah that sounds <laughs> so, cool and with with elon closer in proximity i would imagine maybe that'll ha- be happening more often yeah so you know here in the state of texas um they have a uh test facility in and around the waco ish area um, for st- uh, what you would consider static fires. So think of it as putting a Falcon 9 um, or, or like, uh, you know, one of the engines, a Raptor engines uh, on, a, on a stand or effectively like a harness or I guess, you know, like a dyno almost, right? And, and they're, you know, firing this thing up on a stand. So that, that is, that's, that's one test facility. So they don't do any launches from that facility um they do a lot of launches out of the cape uh they do quite a few launches out at vanderberg california um and they also um you've probably more recently heard so starship um they're doing low flight uh low altitude tests uh out of uh, boca chica which is you could say roughly, you know, down there by kind of in between, sandwiched in between uh, South Padre and uh, Brownsville. But I would expect that over time, you know, even this year, you know, we're, I mean, we're just going to continuously, you know, have more and more uh, launches, you know, from Boca Chica. And, and actually, um, again, I can go on for a while, you know, Boca Chica is, um fairly small um and there's you know elon had tweeted uh, recently within you know a handful of days that the plan is to take boca chica and incorporate some other areas surrounding areas and rename that to uh starbase uh, the city starbase city here in texas and eventually that uh, that will very likely be the area that uh, we launch to go to mars from here in texas wow that's how far so is Boca Chico or is it Topo Chico? Is it is that where the water comes from? <laughs> no, but it, but it, but it sounds similar. Uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, half thought about, uh, driving down there, uh, next week. Uh, uh, I, I, I can't unfortunately, but, but it, from here, it's about 600 miles South, uh, South and, and maybe a smidge East from the Dallas area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And what is it about the Tesla cars that you find fascinating? Uh, I would imagine most of the technology in those. Yeah, the, I mean, I think the intelligence and the automated driving and or autonomous driving. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, certainly, you know, the, um, you know, and there, I think you know it's important to make some distinction, you know, relative to you know, there's autopilot and then there's full self driving, and both are are very different. And full self driving is currently in beta to a very limited you know, subset of, of customers, whereas, you know, autopilot is very pervasive and, and accessible to, you know, all, you know, uh, Tesla owners of a, of a certain make and model or more specifically year. But I, you know, I think it's, um, you know, looking at holistically, uh, what he's been able to do, you know, with Tesla, um, you know, when, when considering, you know, you've got your big three, Fords and, 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 you know, GMs and, and kind of Chrysler and just how disruptive Tesla on a whole, you know, has been, you know, to that, to the big three and to the automotive industry and kind of his ways, you know, around kind of first first principle thinking and just how truly innovative it's, you know, Tesla's been. And, and then, you know, not to mention, uh just the 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 ev aspect of it right so the electric vehicle portion of that right so lessening dependence on on you know oil um so it's it's super fascinating but but yeah i mean the the you know the tech that's in these cars is just uh it's amazing 
it's absolutely amazing, you know, what these with what these cars can do. Well, re- speaking of the EV stuff, several years ago, maybe like ten or twenty years ago, there was a a documentary that came out called "Who Killed the Electric Car." Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think, and that was in reference to some of the work that GM had done. Yeah, you know, it, I think days. it was like like the yeah. Saturn vehicles that were going electric, and some other other cars that were going electric. But was Tesla really the first electric vehicle um, company only? Yeah. Well, um, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You know that that would be something that you know I, I would want to research. I think to 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 get my dates right. I mean, there are y- you had some other startups that that were attempting to to bring to market you know an EV product being you know EV only, but but certainly Tesla you know, far and away is, is the most successful EV, um, auto manufacturer that, that yeah, there's are there, are there been. others currently? Yeah, there are. Um, and, and there's more and more, um, that, that are popping uh, up, you know, popping, popping up. Right. Yeah. So I, I would think that the ones that, you know, the big ones that, that come to mind, um, would be Rivian, um, and, and, um, they have not yet delivered a product yet, but, uh, certainly have prototypes and, and certainly are close. I, I don't think we'll see one this year, but, but certainly we'll see, uh, a Rivian, um, truck. So, so they, they do, um, uh, trucks. So when I say trucks, think of kind of like, you know, an F-150, F-250 type, uh, but, but uh, you know, better. I, I would expect to see, you know, Rivian, uh, you know, more pervasive and kind of a 2022 timeframe. Um, another EV company that's, that's gotten a lot of coverage, partly due to, um, well, Okay, then maybe there's a fourth. Um, so the other would would be Lucid Motors, um, and uh, the CEO founder of Lucid came from Tesla. I I, I think we might see something from them. Uh, you know, we've certainly seen prototypes. You can pre-order. We might see something from them this year, this calendar year, uh, but more likely 2022. And then I guess. Also interesting, uh, or, you know, could be extremely compelling is, um, you know, the elephant in the room, so to speak, is what Apple is doing, uh, uh, relative to, to EVs, right? So I haven't, yeah, I haven't heard of any of those, I haven't heard of any of those other companies you just mentioned, but I have heard the rumors about, about Apple getting involved in this. So what's going on there? Yeah, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of secrecy that that's surrounding that obviously you know apple for the most part uh, uh does a fantastic job um you know on that front you know when i say front i mean relative yes, they to, do. to secrecy. product you know yeah. s- secrecy right so yeah it's not entirely clear yet uh there there's a lot of speculation uh but but all signs are pointing to the fact that they are going to bring an electric car to market, maybe the 2023 timeframe, maybe that might be the earliest. I think most would say maybe 2024, but, um, you know, also Apple, you know, has a habit of surprising us as well. So, yeah, um, it, it's, it's, will certainly be, will be interesting to, uh, to see, but I certainly think, you know, from, from, you know, kind of putting an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial hat on, I mean, I, I certainly think that, you know, the marketplace as a whole, you know, can and will support, you know, a few players, you know, in that market. So. Yeah, I would imagine so too. And, and a little bit of competition would go a long way in, in that yeah. field too. And I think typical Apple, right. They, 
tend to be a little behind the curve in terms of they're generally speaking not the first to market with a product right so they have a very unique ability to watch kind of products or entrants you know into the market and then uh i think you know iterating better than anybody else right so i guess kind of where i'm going with that is obviously tesla and some of these other guys, you know, that I've mentioned previously, you know, I, I, I certainly believe that that Apple is is watching them. And, uh, you know, I think kind of their MO is to then, you know, come to market with, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, a better widget, right, or yeah. a refined widget based on what competitors and other, you know, entrants, you know, into the marketplace have been doing for, you know, the last many years. Yeah, and then of course you've got the big three, as you mentioned. You got your your GMs, right. your Fords, and your Fords, and your right Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, yeah. whatever they are. They right, got those guys all working in that direction too. I'm sure. Right. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for for those <laughs> what I would consider legacy automakers. Yeah. So when do you when do you think what what at what point do you think there are more electric vehicles on the road than there are the standard combustion engine vehicles. Yeah. So yeah, when we talk like, uh, internal combustion engine or what's called ice or ICE, um, you know, I think looking at, I think that's a long tail. I think that's a long time, like decades. Um, but I certainly think it's, easily within our lifetime easily right and then especially if you start to look at mandates you know whether they're you know federal mandates or mandates by you know the state municipality mandates of of of, you know moving away from internal combustion to even what you know auto manufacturers are you know self-inflicting to a degree, you know, yeah. the mandates of, of moving away from, you know, internal combustion. But there so. are a lot of internal combustion vehicles on the road, and mm-hmm. I don't know where all those go. I mean, not to mention you've got some people that just won't give them up anyway. You've got your, you know, what, right. about, your, what about your 70, you know, your 62 <laughs> Corvette person? I'm not even sure if that's a, a, right. a good year for Corvette, but, you know, your, your classic muscle car people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to a degree they're, 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 they're going to be around, but I, you know, I think the question of when, when does EV surpass and, you know, maybe that's, I don't know, 2035, I guess. I don't know. Come back in 2035 and if I'm off, I'll I'll buy you a coffee. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, something else that I think is just fascinating with the electric stuff too, is all of the, the automation and the autonomy and the, yeah that i mean especially for someone in my situation sure who is not able to drive uh legally yeah anyway. well, um, yeah and i find aware of those incidents yes yeah. yes yes yeah we won't get we won't get into those right now but you know it it really would be quite fascinating mm-hmm. and pretty extraordinary really to uh get again behind the i guess you would say the wheel of a car or at least the screen of a car at that point. And, uh, you know, just punching your coordinates or just, you know, right. maybe with that neural link stuff with Elon, I just think about where I want to go and it goes there <laughs> kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I certainly think that that's, that's, that's moving quickly. And, and certainly, um, I don't want to say eminent, but, but I do think that, you know, when you look at, you know, the subset of Teslas that are out now that, that are on full self-driving beta, um, you know, while it may not be true level five autonomy, it, it has characteristics of level three, but having, it certainly has the hardware. And when I say hardware, I'm, I'm talking specialty silicon or for lack of a better term cpus to to get it to you know level five and i think that level five autonomy is in effect no driver input whatsoever no intervention no nothing um 
And but I think part of that issue of getting to level five is and there isn't anything on the market. But a part of that is also just legislation. Um uh, you know, that that could be, you know, a bit of a long pull, you know, for for you know achieving that. But um I guess kind of stepping back a little bit, I think what's interesting, you know, about autonomous driving is just in terms of there's a few different methods or camps in terms of how to achieve that. And Tesla is taking their approach. And somebody like Waymo, who is a part of Alphabet, so Alphabet is the parent of Google, um, and Waymo is kind of a you know, a sub, if you will, of, of the Alphabet, you know, parent company. And, and Waymo uh, leverages a, a different methodology of trying to achieve full autonomous driving. And, and it's it's almost, uh, it's a bit, I guess, to a degree, like, you know, religion and, and, and just in terms of how passionate, you know, the two camps are, uh, just in terms of how, you know, they achieve or will achieve, you know, full self-driving. Um, and it's super fascinating to look at. And, you know, if you look at Tesla and Tesla's approach is that it's, you know, Elon feels very strongly that, uh, full self-driving is really, uh, it's an AI problem or a machine learning problem and how they're going about solving that is, is super fascinating just in terms of, you know, with, with cameras, and ultrasonic sensors, and when I say ultra, ultrasonic sensors, it's you know kind of a glorified sonar. But in effect, with cameras, they're using neural nets, uh, vision neural nets, and in effect, in effect, using both humans and machines for machine learning to label data and just you know what is this? Okay, you know, you, does that make sense? Right? So it's you're labeling data, you know, as the initial in- set of input, and then you're saying, okay, well, this is a car, this is a human, this is a stop sign, right? So you're you're kind of building the base or the basis, and then over time, you know, machines are are then learning, you know, what those objects are, um, kind of simplifying a little bit, but but in a sense, it's it's using vision cameras. Each newer Tesla models have eight cameras in total. Uh, three on the front, two on each side, and one on the back, and they're constantly uh, looking at uh, images or, or you know, stills or, or mm-hmm. video, kind of, yeah. and, uh, and 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 then learning based on um, what what it thinks that it's uh, seeing, and then being able to make decisions based on its ability to understand and recognize what's you know in effect what's in that frame at that moment in time yeah that's all very fascinating and do, do you know how many people are in that autonomous beta is um, it a large I, group of people it's not it's, it, like no and it's not and it's it's a bit vague um and i think that's by design um but i think one thing that's interesting is so so kind of going back to waymo they're leveraging while they do have cameras th- their sort of thesis is that lidar is is what's going to get them there quicker and and lidar uh is a very sophisticated radar system that that can paint effectively paint a picture using reflectivity and and then you know can draw an effect an image of what it thinks it sees by using radar and and Elon is more in the camp of well, lidar is is too expensive, and and again, you know, as I kind of mentioned, he's a strong believer in that it's ultimately it's an AI problem that that he thinks that AI can solve for full self driving. But um, I, I guess what's interesting is that. Um, you know, given that he, you know, that potentially it is a machine learning artificial intelligence problem, you know, in aggregate with all of the Teslas that are on the road, we're talking the, you know, and I'll say just sort of generically, like the Tesla fleet have driven billions of miles, right? So they're, they're learning 
constantly. Uh, and, and again, they're driving billions of miles. When you compare that to almost all other, whether it's EV or non-EV or people that are entrants, you know, into the market that are trying to solve self-driving that, that aren't per se like an EV manufacturer, um, we're, we're talking maybe in the millions of miles, like tens of millions of miles. So it's, not even, it's to, not even close. Yeah. No, no, not at all. And that's also super fascinating um, just in terms of how far ahead, you know, Tesla is compared to, you know, the market, right? So I think a lot of people think, oh, it's a car. And yeah, I mean, it, and it does really interesting things, but they're so far ahead in, in respect to, you know, uh, full self-driving or autopilot um, and other aspects of, of, you know, kind of the tesla ecosystem it's a bit of a walled garden i guess you could say akin to you know oh, kind of the it, apple bring approach it all, bring, bring it all back to apple yeah. <laughs> right so, right so it's it's really fascinating uh when when you really start to delve into that and and the different you know approaches and and um yeah they're very maniacal I, you know whether it's tesla or or waymo and just that their approach is the right approach sure. so yeah have have you ridden in the tesla that's been on autopilot no i i haven't i've i've driven a tesla um but i i've watched countless hours of of of, of uh, youtube footage on on autopilot and and as well as um you know teslas that are on full self-driving beta and uh full self-driving beta is is uh, pretty amazing and those are just on, on regular streets yes they are yeah are, are there i mean are they in particular areas you know are they in california are they in texas are they in no no and that's the other thing right so you've got like cadillac who their approach and to me it's it's it uh you know again i'm by no means an expert but i i I feel like it's the absolute wrong approach and and so what cadillac's trying to bring to market is what's effectively a technology that they call super drive and really what they're doing there is that they're doing something similar to if you've ever been on the road and you've seen like a Google Maps car or an Apple Maps car, right? So yeah. they're literally mapping stuff out and recording and then putting that effectively into the vehicle, right? So that you're you're really limited to the road or roads that they've mapped, right? So then what it can't really take into account is, you know, construction on that road in terms of you know new on ramps new off ramps new turn you know what i mean so it's yeah it's 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 shelf life to me seems very minimal right so uh i, I again I, I i i don't agree with that approach but but yet again that's kind of a a, a tertiary approach to how people are trying to solve for you know uh, full self-driving um but I I, th- I think you had um, I think on one of your prior podcasts you may have had a pro- Tesla owner maybe that had was making mention of perhaps autopilot if I'm recalling um, correctly I could have I don't know I, I I have a good friend that has one maybe that's what that was okay that lives in the uh, like in New Hampshire area. Okay. And I actually was just talking to him a couple of days ago. He was on his mm-hmm. way home from work and he's like, mm-hmm. he called me and he said, how, you know, how's it going? Whatever. I was like, Hey, good. You headed home. He's like, yep. Driving home. I was like, are you driving home? He's like, well, no, yeah. I'm actually not driving home <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. He, he does use autopilot for a good deal mm-hmm. of his commute to and from to and from work, which is, you know, just so he's talking on the phone to me and yeah. the car's going. Yeah, and what's what's sort of interesting, I think, you know, for for perhaps listeners that that may not be, you know, fully understand is that you know there are you know as it relates to Tesla, some very important distinctions between autopilot and and kind of the feature set of autopilot, and then when compared to the feature set of full self driving, and and really you know with autopilot, it, there's really kind of two bases uh, or basic features and that's really kind of traffic aware cruise control right so where that car the tesla can match you know the speed of your car to that of you know surrounding traffic 
uh, and it can auto steer uh, where things are clearly defined and then use that traffic aware cruise control to auto steer around those other column objects or, you know, other cars, mm -hmm. you know, that, that are, that are on the road. Whereas full self-driving right, so which is currently in beta, um, it, can navigate on autopilot, right? So basically you, like you had mentioned, you know, earlier that you, you, you plop in the coordinates, right. Or, or the, you know, where you, you know, A to B and it will actively guide your car, you know, from the highways on ramp to off ramp and, and it'll suggest and do lane changes and navigate like roundabouts and interchanges and it'll engage and disengage, you know, turn, you know, turning signals, um, and, and make and take the correct exits. Um, and it'll do auto lane change, um, and auto steer, it'll auto park. You'll, you know, um, full self-driving beta, you can summon your car where, you know, with, within a proximity, you can step out and then summon your car in a parking lot and then it, it'll drive to you. And, and this works today in beta. No, that's on um, the fully automated, but does that also work yes. on the autopilot too? I mean, I'm pretty no. sure I've seen people, I've, I've seen people have their car, I've been at a Target and yeah. a car and they could be on up. full self-driving beta. Okay, yeah. it could be. Yeah. I've seen yeah. that. I mean, like that just happened. I'm like, what just happened there? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, in full self-driving beta, you know, it's, um, will identify, you know, stop signs, traffic lights and, uh, you know, make decisions based on kind of that input and then also it it has the ability to auto steer on on city streets and not just you know highways so it's 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 pretty fascinating yeah that is and i so we're going to talk again probably several more times because there's there's probably no end to tech talk with rob here <laughs> right. but i think what right. what i'm going to try to do for the next time we talk is i'm going to see if i can get a hold of elon and see if if I can get a fully automated beta vehicle, yeah, and absolutely. I will I will operate it over to your house, and we'll do the podcast at your house. How's that? Yeah, I'm, I'm game. Sounds awesome. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. And for a complete transcript of this episode, connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.